Welcome to Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. In this podcast, we delve into the non-clinical aspects of dentistry with inspirational guests from across the profession. You will hear incredible life stories, pick up valuable business tips and be entertained. I'm Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Drevens. Absolutely fascinating. That was brilliant. Uh, I mean, it made me realise the role of the CDO is so much more than a contract, mm. uh, which I, I think as a non-clinician is my sort of ignorance. Uh, and he's a lovely bloke. But also I think quite often there's there's a lot of sort of mystique around it, but that managing and juggling championing patient care, being the voice of the profession, mm. but also an advisor to government, that's not an easy triangle to, to manage. Balance. No, um, no, and I think Jason's style, his demeanour, his experience, mm. and his passion for the profession mm. is the right guy to be doing it. I think there's a, there's loads of nuggets in there, not just on Jason and his life and how he's managed so many elements mm. to it, but what he's bringing to the role of CDO. I think the the other thing I think is pretty cool is he's got the practical element of still being a clinician and doing wet fingered dentistry, mm. which surely has got to. Uh, inform decisions made wouldn't you have thought i would have thought so i would have thought so but i mean brilliant. i know he didn't talk about it today but um i've heard him say previously that when he was awarded his mbe it was presented to him by then prince charles now king charles the third and um prince charles back then was was surprised that jason was still um working as a dentist Wow. Because you can't often assume that people move on and get involved in policy or, or academia. Actually being uh, I, think, I, I think it is a super. I think it's a brilliant yeah, no, it was a, it was a it fabulous, was a fabulous conversation. Fabulous enjoy listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh, if you do enjoy what you listen to, please do subscribe because new episodes come out every Monday. Thank brilliant. you very much. Thank you. Here we are again. Another one. It is. Another one. Dentology. Don't you love it? And exciting today. Very exciting. It's rare you get to speak to somebody quite early on in a new role. Quite often people are quite yeah, well established in their position. So to get those fresh insights of where they are is going to be really interesting. I think we've been super fortunate. We have. We have. Super we fortunate. Have. Very well, honoured. We are very honoured. Today, 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 we have Dr. Jason Wong joining us. And Jason is a dentist, also partner at the Maltings Dental Practice in Grantham. Ah, okay. In 2020, awarded an MBE for services to dentistry and oral health. Flip. And recently been appointed as interim chief dental officer. Hello, Jason. How oh, are my you? My goodness. What a business card that is. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, Andy, Chris. Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, and thanks for that intro. Good. No, no, it's it's delightful to have you with. Yeah, us. Thank we, you for coming on. Uh, and uh, just as I go through the the list of things you do, I'm agog that you've actually got time to to talk to us because you've also got a very busy life running out before you. Yeah, I mean, um, no, no, it's a pleasure to, to to speak to you both, and and you know, good good to have the conversation. And yeah, I've obviously stacked the rest of the day before and after but that's <laughs> situation normal you know uh, so no, 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 no. pleasure to be here seriously but there is a phrase isn't there? i think there's a there's a phrase which is if you want something done ask a busy person yeah. and there's no doubt that i think the busier we all get we just become very adaptable and have this ability to squeeze things in because you've got a lot to get through so yeah. I think you're you're certainly in that phase. But to to start with, um, yeah, master of could, plate spinning. Yeah, yeah. Could could we talk about um, perhaps the the biggest impact on our lives, which is PPE? Um, just to start <laughs> with, and and PPE isn't perhaps where you think it's going. P PPE is you know, parents postcode and education. 
I think those are the things right. that kind of are, are rocks that put us together. Everybody assumed this is going to be a boring dental chat. They went, yeah. oh, PPE, we've had enough of that. How much does that mask cost? <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> just thinking in terms of kind of parents, postcode and, and education, yep. um, can you kind of give us a sense of your teenage years? What was it like growing up as, as, as Jason Wong? So, I mean, I, I was at uh, school in, in Bedford, actually, in uh, as a sort of teenager. Oh, okay. Um, boarding school mainly through throughout my, my, my childhood. So, uh, originally from, from Malaysia, so you, you're saying my parents, my, my dad's a GP, uh, and I was sort of sent over from an early age for, for education purposes. So, um, and, and so, yeah, very much in, enjoyed that time uh until so were well, you over here alone then jason for your education yeah, i had i had my brothers who were here at the time but 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 yeah essentially that that was the case so that was during during the holidays uh we would see them but yeah very much sort of alone and and i suppose you know uh, had to be quite sociable as well because because <laughs> mm. sort of even during holiday times would be hanging out with friends etc um so that that was you know that i think that, that was a good time uh before obviously going going to dental school uh just i think the standard schooling really they always describe boarding school as character building don't they <laughs> which i think is either is a uh, is a sort of all-encompassing <laughs> role of boarding yeah. school is a is a is a character yeah. building the good things and the bad yeah. things. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you then yeah. yes you obviously finished your school did you went to to birmingham dental school in, in yeah. back in 95 um I've heard you say before that you said your father's a GP um, and you said that you've got a rebellious streak. So you weren't going to be a GP, <laughs> you're going to be a dentist because you're... Are you the rebellious type? Well, no, I, not exactly, but that, but it was a rebellion. So no, I, I don't think I, I fall into the rebellious type, but but there was this discussion and, and you know, I mean, in in the early days, we actually lived in in this above the surgery. So, so you know, my dad had... This, practice downstairs and we actually lived upstairs so i mean wow. when it came to it one was one of the kind of decisions was you know what, what was appealing what what could you go and do there wasn't a massive restriction but there was a little bit of a rebellion in that and and to this day i always think you know when when i looked at the options at the time and now i, I always think that as a profession we always seem a little bit more down about what it is that that we have i, I i'm very positive about you know the profession mm. about what what we're doing at the moment and i know other colleagues you know whose children have gone into it mine haven't um but you know who think so uh, that it's it's a really good profession to be to be part of and and part of the the issue is you know why if it's such a great profession to be part of why why do why do we get so down on it really so so you know at the mm. time it was a fairly naive decision and and yes a semi-rebellion if you like um but actually right. you know ne never regretted that from from that moment no yeah. no rebellion with a small arm yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> one yeah, of the things yeah. we've seen actually isn't it is as we were saying that that in the last probably five years there's definitely a much uh higher impact of dentists in the fact of they they start to we're seeing them feeling better about themselves a bit more because we think actually the the public is feeling a bit more positive about dentistry than it might have done. Mm. Do you think that sort of feels about right? Yeah, yes, I think. I mean, there's always been a disconnect. So if you ask the public, the public doesn't have a great 
opinion about the profession, but they have a great opinion about their own dentist. <laughs> as in, yeah. as in yeah, we're not <laughs> yeah, sure about true, them, yeah. but my 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 guy or my girl is okay, but you know, for, but everything mm. else is not. Um, so so yeah, but I I think part of the, the work I do is to, is to try and improve that perception. I mean, the pandemic has definitely brought you know the importance of of dentistry and oral mm. health well into the limelight. I think for many years mm. uh, it, it wasn't seen as this crucial part and and because of what, what happened and, and how access has gone down, you know, it's massively risen in the public kind of consciousness, the political mm. agenda mm. as well, um, which is which is the issue that we always had previously, which was, you know, you're trying to push on the agenda on a service that that provides, you know, we we are probably one to two percent of the NHS, something in in that region, but mm. but of course, you know, we're trying to push on an agenda to have oral health sort of integrated in all all aspects of of general healthcare. Mm. Mm. And I think it's always a shame. Mm. Obviously, we're we're very fortunate. We get to speak to and see hundreds of dentists a year, yeah. and it, it always saddens me when dentists kind of lose sight of the impact they have on patients. Now, it, it really is a life-changing yeah, profession. And yes. when you see people who feel you know downtrodden or downbeaten because of perhaps external pressures or red tape or bureaucracy, whatever it might be, and they've lost sight of, of you know the impact on confidence and well-being and how that person yeah. feels about themselves or their ability to go to an interview and feel more confident mm. or you know with their partner, whatever it might be. And when I when I see dentists and being non-clinical, arguably perhaps it's easier for, for for us to see. But when you see a dentist who who's fallen out of love with the profession, it is sad yes. because it is it's a phenomenal job. Mm. It really yep. is an incredible job to to impact people's life and well-being in that way. Yeah, yeah, to totally agree. And I think that part part of that is is really getting ourselves to see the, the situation that we're in and and perhaps see things in a more positive light than than we have been doing. But but yeah, I think the the point you raise about you know the last five years, I think I think that rather than it's it's, the, the, it's not so much the image, but the importance of dentistry and oral health has definitely gone up. Mm. And that's going to impact, obviously, on on sort of frontline services. It's interesting, isn't it? Because anecdotally, over the years that you know we've dealt with dentists, you, you would have had them say, "Yeah, it was almost." They were told, "Well, he didn't make it as a doctor, <laughs> so you're now <laughs> going to be a dentist." <laughs> there was almost that sort of like the, the undercurrent now. But it's it's interesting because from the a lot of the young guys that we talk to they didn't ever want to be a doctor <laughs> like you know they they wanted to be a dentist and i think that's a, a different yeah. change yeah i think i think back in the day the the grades necessary to get in was slightly lower so that's probably where you got that from which is you know right, grades right. getting lower but i mean the guys nowadays who get into dental school are you know straight a students oh. from a from, from young age mm. are very much more academic and not necessarily a, a brilliant thing, you know. The, 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 the dental curriculum is very academic in its own right as well. Sorry, I'm getting a call. Would you believe on <laughs> on the phone? Sorry about that. So, no, so yeah, you, so you're in, you're in demand. You're in demand. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think I think that that's something I think we've got to you know we've we've got to look at. You know, is 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 it absolutely necessary to for a uh, a dental school course to be so academic and when 95 percent of our profession goes into being uh a, a general dentist in 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 practice you know you so you mm. you have this really highly academic qualification system that 
then producing someone where the skill set you need actually very much more people skills, practical skills orientated. Yeah. Mm. And and mm. you know there is a slight disconnect there. I understand we want to keep the you know this 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 issue about having high sort of academic rigor, but but there is this mm. this question mark in the back of my head that you know do you need uh, a straight yeah. A student to go through in order to care for a population base, you know for it's mm. almost for, a bit like nursing in a way, isn't it? You know, as in not in dental nursing, but in, you know, I, I think that sometimes with nursing is that oh, it's compassion. become so academic, whereas actually, as you're saying, Jason, really, you yep. want people who are going to care. I mean, I, I know that you've got to have a certain level, but I think you're right because, and I don't know and whether you can answer this question, yep. but you might be able to do as a, as a principle, you know, things that we're told by um, the guys that we deal with is the, the practical application of dental school in associates has changed over the years, whereas some of the guys that are coming out now can't do or have had minimal experience of some of the things that someone maybe 10 years ago would have done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the level of sort of clinical experience has, has dropped a little, but then so have the intervention. But I think mostly, I think, it, and it's part of the work that I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto it that, that I've been trying to do, which is looking at the, the culture in which we, we practice under, you know, as to how people feel about carrying out certain uh, procedures, what they feel the risks are, uh, both to them mm. and, and the treatments that they're carrying out. So, yeah, definitely, I think that it, it's something that, but it's so, the, the job is so people-based, you know whether mm. you satisfy what your your patient is is asking for what they demand mm. what they need as well as how you deal mm. with colleagues and everything else but but actually when mm. we assess people whether they can go in we we do it almost purely or sort of predominantly mm. on these sort of academic uh, achievements and yeah and i think because of the nature of how the the kind of schooling and education system works in the UK. People tend to do mm. their GCSEs, their A-levels, and then go straight from A-levels to university. Yeah. So there isn't actually much life experience. It's mm. education, education, education. And then you get spat out into the real world. And suddenly now you need to have great communication skills. You need to be able to read people. And, mm. and there, there isn't necessarily the the broader life experience that goes with that. I, I remember many years ago, um, I think it was when Pat Conway was at Birmingham, um, I remember we talked about trying to do some some non-clinical courses with him. Communication skills. Uh, uh, yeah, and he, he said there just isn't the space. He said the, the program is so full, you yeah. know, there just isn't the space to actually fit anything in other than just getting through the clinical work. And the, 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 it does feel like there's a gap. And well, I guess the FD year helps, but it, but it, it does, but, yeah. you know, at that point you're kind of also mm. kind of trying to hone your clinical experience mm. But there's a lot. There's a lot to be taken in quite early. Well, it's like Raj was it Raj Ratan when we were at a, a dental global dental collective, mm. and it was lots of young dentists, and and it was quite interesting. There was a bit about the GDC and complaints and sort of how to yeah, avoid yeah. a complaint. And Raj's advice was just build better relationships. Yes, mm. he said build better relationships with your patients, which is back to what you're saying, Jason. You yeah. know, understand how to talk to people and deal with people. Exactly, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. So what is it? There is, is a gap, isn't there? This is gap. That's, yeah, yeah. As you say, it's it's a communication bit which you you can teach, but some people have it and some people don't yeah. naturally. Yeah, and it's a balance. Yeah. I mean, you so raised you, but, the you raised the nursing situation, you know, uh, but but there is a balance. You know, uh, it, the the question is, in order to care, do you need a degree? I mean, you know that that's that's one of the issue, mm. and mm. and you know if 
it, so there is a balance in terms of the workforce. You you need those that are doing uh, certain bits that, that requires that. But yeah, overall, it, it's something that we, I think we need to think about. And also distribution, I think, across the country in terms of, uh, you know, the, the backgrounds of people, whether, you know, why there's a bigger workforce issue in rural localities and things like that are things that we need mm. to think about in terms of people getting into dental school. Mm. So just back to your career, yep. you you come out of Birmingham, um, and now you're a partner in a in a pretty significant practice in in Grantham. What yep. was your your pathway from graduation through to being a partner at Maltings? Maggie Thatcher I was really attracted to Maggie Thatcher. She was Grantham, wasn't she? Was well, I think she, I think the two things I, I even know about Grantham is, is is Margaret Thatcher, and it was the first cinema in the country. The first cinema in the country was in Grantham. The other one I know that it was uh, named the most boring town in the country oh, don't a while say that. ago. Yeah, sorry. About yeah, it was. That, it was. It was no, 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 I'm, no. I'm sure it's thing, got a lot better now. The only thing you missed off is Isaac Newton, but apart from that, yes. Uh, I was going to say. <laughs> I was. I, I was going to mention that because I was in a train station at Grantham, and there was this whole thing about Isaac Newton, which did surprise yeah. me somewhat. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, so sorry, yes, back of to course, you. Sorry. You, you can imagine. Yeah. Back, background have been. Born in Malaysia, <laughs> brought up in London at boarding school. Why would I end up? Well, actually, I mean, I, I met my wife at uh, dental school. She, she, she's a dentist. And when we, uh, we were in a th- sort of third and fourth year, her, her dad sort of sadly passed away. So actually, when we were looking for, at the time, VT jobs, sort of foundation jobs, we actually said, well, you know, we'll, we'll just... As a as a initial move, let's let's go back, make sure her mum's okay. So actually, initially there was there wasn't this sort of inbuilt thing that that was where we we're going to live, but it, mm. we we sort of moved back initially and and actually have stayed uh, ever since. Um, and I was very happy at the practice that I I was at, and it was a as you say a big big practice, um, and stayed on as an associate. And and really, I suppose what in this day and age, it should be seen as quite early, too early, probably. But within three years of qualifying, had taken on the partnership uh, for wow. for the practice. So you did your VT. So you did your VT at the Maltings, then stayed as an yeah. associate, and then became partner. So yeah, wow. it was right. all the way through. Yeah, wow. all the way through. Wow. So that's really quite a challenge. That's a challenge, <laughs> though, isn't it? Because you you start as a, as a VT to then yeah. become a yeah. and then to become a partner. It's almost a bit like being promoted in-house, isn't it? Because mm. everyone remembers you as what you used to be. So that's probably a challenge yeah. in yeah. itself. And it, happened, and it happened quickly for you as well, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it did. It, it, I mean, I, I suppose, yeah, as you say, quite a challenge. Good job it was all right at the beginning. Otherwise, people remember you for things that you did as a, <laughs> as a VG. But no, it, it, was, it, it was fine. And actually, to, to, I mean, it, when you look at it, actually, at the time, the, the practice was run by three, uh, three, three guys who were late fifties, uh, approaching sixty years old. Their main concern was whether they could ever retire and and offload mm. the place, you know. So that that makes mm. you sort of wonder just what changed, you know. When the uh, when I suggested that I wanted to 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 buy into the practice, it, you know. Hand was bitten off very firmly immediately, right. and, and one of them said, it's "Amazing how God, those now. times change, yeah, yeah, isn't it?" Now, absolutely. Yeah, Thank God, now yeah. now it means in a few years I can retire. Was what one of them sort of shouted because at yeah. the time, literally, wow. no, you know, nobody nobody wanted it. Um, you know, at at, at that time, um, but yeah, I, I, I suppose you know, Pretty front re- foot though, mm. front yeah. foot to ask Jason. You know, especially <laughs> when you were what's that? Probably about. 
was that 26 27 something like that yeah something like that yeah and uh and yeah we we we, i also got married and and we had our first child all in that same year so i do remember that year so you thought hey why not fairly hectic yeah just take take everything in one go uh so no no that 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 was pretty good but but again no no regrets uh you know that the practice is great we've changed it very significantly but but yeah so so from from as you say fd to to associateship to, to partnership all, all within quite a short period of time and i, mm. I when i speak to young dentists i always mention that i said i think i i was brought up in in sort of uh simpler times because when we went through <laughs> dental school the 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 kind of objective was to get out being a dentist and if you kind of like to buy into the place if not you just the the, the sort of the pinnacle and the culmination was being a general dentist in practice. Hmm. I kind of wonder whether some of the heights that people are aiming for are really, really, you know, a bit too high that you you put so much pressure on yourself. Because I that's my recollection in my peer group hmm. was that was it. You know, you pass finals, you got there, and and once you get and you find somewhere that you like, you buy in. That that was really all the high level ambition that we had. You know, none none of the quite sort of quite quite high higher level of of uh, fulfilment that people seem to be gunning for right now. And and I think back then, Jason, I think your yeah, your exposure to people outside of your immediate environment would have perhaps been going to an LDC meeting. Mm. That that kind of, you'd you'd have bumped into a few other dentists at a, yeah. a local meeting. So your 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 vision mm. and your exposure. You know, we kind of teaching on the edge of social media here, but you, it's so much easier to see what other people are doing. And so kind of your, yes. your aspirations and your ambitions shift based on what other people are doing. Whereas back in your day and back in the day for us, which is kind of pre-digital, you yes. just didn't know these things were happening. So you only had no, your no, local no. community. There wasn't a pressure. Against. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost yes. a peer, yeah. peer pressure yeah, in, to, do, to do something more. You're quite right. I mean, I joined the yeah, LC yeah, quite definitely. early on in the day as well. And, and Lincolnshire, yeah, yeah. I mean, what Probably it was. the average know, age, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. The, you know, it was very much the, the tie, the, the cravat, and the uh, the blazer. Again, you know, uh, that's yeah. how, you know, no nobody would turn up in jeans for anything yeah. like that. Uh, I that can almost thing. imagine someone and, saying, "I think you've come to the wrong room, sir." I was, uh, yeah, I think I was the youngest youngest member of the LDC. I, I became the youngest secretary they'd ever had, and. And I think sort of eight years later, I was still the youngest member of the LDC. <laughs> <laughs> but that might have been just us. But I mean, I mean, things, things are probably a bit different. But yes, you're quite right. That was how, and you know, going to meetings, meeting out with colleagues, that was, that was, you know, the conversation. That was what we're, we're doing. Mm. And, uh, but yes, that, that's kind of how I progressed really at that time. Mm. So the practice you've got, you've now got, 12 surgeries, yeah. 14, 15 clinicians, mm-hmm. the support team that goes with that. Um, given all the other things you do within dentistry, what's your secret sauce for managing a practice? Because obviously you've got yeah. lots of calls on your time, but you've obviously been there as a partner for, for quite a while. And I know you have a partner who works with you, but yes. h- how, do you, how do you manage that? How do you divide that up? Yeah, I mean, still I, not I, look knackered. Well, yeah, I think I think that sometimes I do get the pressure on you know yeah, you need to be here for this or or things like that, and I am there clinically, of course, but there's also running the practice. Mm. So, yeah, very I think very early on I worked out you needed to be able to delegate and needed to have the right people in the right places. So yeah. when people say, "Oh, have you got you know," when when I first started 
some people didn't have practice managers. I mean, they used to have all their paperwork mm. in uh, mm. <laughs> in piles in their kitchen table and work till eleven o'clock to do stuff, and and some even cleaned their own practice and stuff like that. But actually, um, you know, I think you nowadays you unless you're really small, you'd find most practice have a manager. We have three yeah. effectively. So so we have a yeah. a, a conventional sort of practice manager who who. Who's worked for us? At promoted from from within, she was our head receptionist. Um, we have a again promoted from within a, a head nurse that's become our sort of clinical lead. So she makes sure that clinically, all the compliance staff, CQC staff, PPE, you were saying at the beginning, yeah, everything is <laughs> right. down to her. How the things is rotated, and then more recently, mm. when uh, when the number of partners sort of began to drop we brought in again promoted from within a a, a business manager from who who is our head receptionist and and i say to her that her role is just to make sure we keep alive basically so she she sort of crunched the the kind of numbers um and do that and i have to confess i'm i'm, I'm not a business person I, d I don't think i am obviously i own the business as you say and there's 49 people <laughs> that, that work uh, with us in one form mm. or another um but i very much was uh was of the, the the school of thought that you know if you if you do the right things give the service that people want then you'll be okay i recognize it's a lot more complicated than that right now but I'm very much in the space of I'm a clinician and I try not to let the business side affect it. Obviously, you have to because uh, in order to survive. So, so the way that I deal with it is is we we literally employ these three um, ladies who 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 work for us who've been promoted mm. from within. They have their roles. They do that. We meet up with them once a week, uh, you know, to run through the management and and very much mm. try and delegate that leadership down to them with only although they they do stray from that with only the very critical stuff that they feel they can't do for the two of yeah. us to 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 intervene so it sounds like a it sounds like yeah. a great system it sounds well, like a great system i, I suspect I, I, it's the I only way you're, that you're yeah I, I suppose it's the only way that it could work for me just because if you know sometimes i work in within the practice so that i can be there you know taking calls mm. and things but mm. i could be there to to, to give answers and support but mostly it's mm. done through that and it's, and it's probably the only way it works it's an interesting one isn't it because we quite often talk to practice owners and we say to them the next thing you need to kick on is to actually create this management role so as it frees you up but yeah. quite often they won't do it you know that they, they won't do it because either uh, quite often financially they don't want to spend mm. the money and they don't want to lose that control. But we say it's the only way you can really kick on because ultimately you've only got certain hours in the day. So mm. it's, uh, yeah. And I think there's also two things. I think one, it's acknowledgement that you spent five years at dental school learning how to be a really good dentist. You're not naturally business people. And that doesn't mean you can't become good business people, mm. but, but filling that gap with other people that understand business is a good thing yeah, to definitely. do. But I think you also need to, and, and you've nailed this, you need to understand the art of delegation so that's that's not abdication. It's not <laughs> yes. getting somebody to do the job and keep interfering. It's not kind of keep picking over the small stuff. It's genuinely putting in place good people yeah. and then getting out of the way. And I think when you do mm. that, I think you actually create more time for yourself. How, how, how many clinical days do you do, Jason? So, I mean, 
that, of course, that's just changed with taking on this this, this new role. Sure, previous sure. to that, it, it was two two and a half. Yeah. Um, but now okay, I'm, yeah. I'm probably down to one in a one in a bit. Um, mm. Mm. But, uh, but without know, that the, management structure, there's no way oh, you could no have done way. two and a half. We, we, you, the, no, so so having no. that, it actually frees you up to do the bit that you're most qualified for. Yeah, so it's a smart it's a smart thing to do. And I think quite often people who own practices they find the business bit quite stressful because yes. they're not equipped for it to the same extent. When they're in the surgery, they're in flow. They're yeah. trained for it. They know what they're doing. They're working with their nose. They're treating a patient. That's that's what they really, really love doing. Mm. It's when yes. they step out of the surgery, it, it becomes harder work. But so then, having that management system I'm saying the nonsense is that that is the bit they don't like, but they won't recruit someone to do that bit to take it yeah. away from yeah. them. It's, yeah, it's, that's it what I was funny. meaning. I, and it was, a, it was a true story that uh, I, I, you know, back in the day would walk in to see friends who own their own practice usually smaller practices and and their kitchen table is stacked up with stuff and i yeah, you know, i right. then turn around and i say look you know so what what, what are you doing well you know 10 o'clock at night 11 o'clock at night they're still doing stuff in order to save obviously the cost of bringing someone in to do it um yeah. i you know we we had a practice manager well we promoted a practice manager actually not long after i joined the partnership and that was the first one that we had. So even back in those days, mm. the partners did quite a lot. But yeah, I do believe in that. And I believe in that even with the work that I do with the office now, which is, you know, you, you need to make mm. sure you try and find good people and then make sure. And, and it's a really thin dividing line between ab that having delegation and abdication or or, yeah, or trying to have yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. That is a real issue. I'm not suggesting I get it right all the time, but I try and get it right all the time is probably where I'm coming from. Mm. 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 Before we get to the yeah. um, your your most recent role in dentistry as, as CDO, um, in the introduction we said that you got a, a well deserved MBE for your services of dentistry and oral health, which took you to Buckingham Palace. M most people in their lifetime are not going to go to Buckingham Palace, and to take your family there must have been an incredible <coughs> day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a yeah, it was a, it's a, a special day. I mean, it it, it was utterly unexpected. Um, people would have asked mm. me about it, and at the the very first thing that I got, I, I really thought it was a prank. Um, but I, then I couldn't work <laughs> out. I couldn't work out who on earth would put in the effort to play a prank like that on me. That was the. the, the Did you the, get a letter? Is that how it happened? Did you yeah, get a letter, got, Jason? Yeah, I got a letter, and and the letter wasn't it. It wasn't that grand. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, from the camera force. And, and it, it, it looked like something, you know, if you spent a few moments on Word and did you, it, could, you could work out. So, so my, initial, something up. my initial did you, response. Did you expect I, some footman to appear on horseback with a scroll? No, Is that I, what I, you yeah, expected? You know, better quality paper. No, the final thing had you know, better quality paper or whatever, or that kind of stuff. No, I, didn't, I don't know what to expect. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. I just Genuinely, you know, and and it wasn't on my radar. It and and I still to this day don't know uh, who who put me up for it. I'm I'm told that, that it started in a local sense because of the work that I was doing um, on oral health in, in Leicester. But but you know, obviously others did. So yeah, very very sort of special to find to, to find that out. In terms of going to Buckingham Palace, it's a bit of a surreal story because. I think it was March the 11th, 2020, that was when it... So it was the New Year's Honours, but 2020. No. Oh, excellent. So <laughs> if you are very, very good at recollecting, you will know that we were on the verge of lockdown. This was the, yeah, very, yeah. the very last session that they did, actually. They didn't know, right. necessarily know that at the time. 
London was deserted. Just before Paddy's Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So London was was virtually deserted. Um, obviously, we were in this uh, hall for sort of you know ninety odd people, hundred people, and mm. uh, and yeah, as you say, it was a very special day. Uh, it, it, you know, in, incredible, really, and, and it still seems a, a little surreal, as I said, because I, I had I had no part in knowing, you know, kind of a, a, anything about it at all until until it landed, really. Mm. Wow. Mm. No, well, well deserved. Well, I mean, thank you. Yeah, you, your, your, your. Well, I think you, your MBE's testament to your commitment to dentistry and also the work that you've done with the the local dental networks and years yeah. at the LDC. That's what yeah, it is. but 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 also that that those those environments require people like you with strong opinions to voice them, and and, and those opinions come from a good place to to better the profession. Do you think we're moving into an environment where it's becoming harder to share your opinion? particularly with online bullying, tro- trolling, cancel yeah. culture type stuff? Is it getting harder for people to to stand up for something and, and be prepared to to have those opinions, perhaps like you had in, in the early part of your career and still today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, part of the, the role that I've got at the moment is to try and sort of enhance and develop local leadership. So people who mm. eventually hopefully will replace us uh, now. So... So and and I I think that it it is and it, it depends which aspect. So I mean I think I think that there is an environment where um that that it it seems like if if you disagree on something that somehow you know the 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 torrent and the the, the abuse kind of has to has to go with it. And I don't see why that is. And the the, the phrase of you can disagree without, without being disagreeable is something that I do mention mm. to people because I just don't see any reasoning for it. So I think mm. the there are two aspects. I think one is um you know is I think I think there's no excuse for, as you say, you know, the sort of the cancer culture, the very extreme kind of uh views that you, you can't hold that view um and and trying to to do that uh but there's a there's a different level which is if you have a view and which someone disagrees with and suddenly it becomes a a personal attack uh line which sort of mm. you know when when someone's yeah, yeah. trying to um you know someone's trying to uh it, it, the positivity thing i mean i've been called ridiculously mm. uh, ridiculously positive i think was was one phrase and uh and you know people almost say you, you can't possibly it's, it's, it's do ridiculously that. Positive. Positive. Yeah. That, that, that sounds yeah, like a compliment well, to me. I don't, well yeah. no you know it's, 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 you know you know and if you try and if you try and do affect anything in the system it, it's supposedly you're rearranging the deck chairs whilst Whilst the Titanic goes down, oh, so right, so you know, six. so it's it's mm. kind of is kind of that kind of thing, and I just think, well, you know, we should as a profession. I mean, a, a professional should be able to have a view. I mean, that that is the the instance. So mm. so you yeah. know, trying to get uh, a group of professionals should be quite difficult because it's, it's a bit like herding cats, isn't it? But but and so everyone mm. should be able to have that view, um, and I think that you know you should be able to enhance that view. You should then be able to to debate those but I, I think you're right i think it is becoming more difficult and social media is probably reasoning for it partly because mm. it voices the extreme views so by, yeah, ver- by yeah, its very nature yeah. it doesn't it doesn't give voice to the moderates so most most people sit in that mm. moderate but even i don't know whether there are updated figures but something like only five percent of people actually ever comment 
So you've got 95% mm. of people who actually look and probably of that view. And then, of course, then you've got the counter arguments, which comes from the two sort of extreme wing of that argument. Yeah. And of course, that then goes mm. on and then you create this 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 culture which 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 then tells people what they can and can't think um i, I don't see why you know i i don't see why that's necessary if i'm honest but i've never been able to see oh, that. I, agree. I, I just think I, you I know you should just schools. sit around sorry mm. i remember when i went uh, at my school we did a you know we had debates you know they would it was yeah. part of yeah. our curriculum to to have a debate with, you know, the rest of your class. Mm. And in a way, you, you think, well, why aren't... I mean, I presume schools maybe don't do it, but it's, it is to try and... It's OK to have opposing views, but, as you say, Jason. It's yeah, when it all gets yeah. horrendously personal because, mm. I, you know, you're fat or whatever it is. It's not but also, good. I think it's healthy because if all you do is surround yourself with people <laughs> that share the same view <laughs> yeah. as you, how are you ever going to broaden your knowledge or your experiences mm. or get different perspectives that might help you put you on a, a better path or... A different direction yeah. if, if 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 it's as binary as you agree with me or you're wrong mm. that's hopeless it yeah. is it there's is. nowhere in between it is <laughs> yeah i mean i i've always felt and and this is even before the sort of you know the the equality sort of diversity uh agenda um became sort of more prominent was that you do need um to the diversity of thought in order to make mm. the right decisions because as you say, mm. you know, everyone's sort of life experiences are slightly different. And if you surround yourself with people that have the same views and and have the same background maybe and, and, and everything else, mm. then you are you aren't going to have that diversity of decision making, which is what's gonna at the mm. end of the day, whether in business or whether in sort of policy uh terms and yeah. working for for you know the the NHS and 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 with the Department of Health that that actually you know you're not going to be able to give a good good uh, decision mm. making and good advice if you don't have that diversity of thought mm. within your own teams. And as you say, life in mm. general, yeah, you know, for you know just living your daily life, isn't That's, it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So just 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 changing tack yeah. slightly. In June 2020, um, you joined the. Um, the office uh, as, as deputy CDO. Uh, June 2020 was a, an incredibly interesting time <laughs> to join the office because I guess we were just coming out of... Before or after the 8th well, of June? Yeah, I was going to say it was 23rd, well, 23rd of March to the 8th of June was when everybody down tools. Just, just what was the sense of the office at that time? Was it in turmoil? Were there challenges? Were you coming in as kind of a fresh face that was able to bring some new energy to a team that was feeling a bit knackered? <laughs> yeah, that's, it. that's a good, good question. Yeah, yeah. So, or a scapegoat. So just to, <laughs> no, just, to, just, to, just to clarify, and you really, my interview was on the 8th of June. Oh, so, no, excellent. So, wow. uh, uh, at, at lunchtime where... Um, uh, Did you so say in your interview, the... give me the job, I'll have dentistry yeah. open by tomorrow? That's what you should have said. <laughs> no, no, dentistry was open <laughs> that day. So, so, you know, that, so, so, I mean, it was interesting because obviously now, I mean, you had to ask for, you know, approval for me to, to speak to you. But at that time, it was quite. So in the morning, I was speaking to Radio Lincolnshire about the reopening of dentistry in Lincolnshire in the press. <laughs> I then did emergencies, non-AGP emergencies throughout the morning. And then at lunchtime, I broke and I had my interview for the for the role at lunchtime. And then <laughs> I went been, back yeah, to the fabulous. few more emergencies and, and finished the day. So quite, I, I, yeah. I remember the day pretty well. So, and then of course- It was a diverse day. 
it was a diverse day, but but that is kind of how uh, how I've operated for many years. And it was it was quite a few years ago. One of the medical directors at the time that I reported to said to me, and 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 I think he said this in order to get me to take on a a bigger area and a, a more role, a uh, 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 more time to to the role was was diversity in your work. Uh, in your work actually leads to longevity of your career so what he was trying to say is mm. you know you only give a day a week to me I want to give two now whether he said that as a as a way of as a way of making me you know uh, take that on or not but actually he, he did have a point because you know when things get tough in one end you know when you change it's not quite a holiday but actually the change of complete change of environment and where where mm. you're at actually does give you a little bit more kind of um, uh, sort of energy yeah. and and approach to it. So I I I think that as is a, um, you know, is a massive advantage that I've got that. And I remember at you know, tough times when I was working with regional local commissioners, they would actually say, "Oh, you know, you've got, um, you know, t tomorrow you go back to the practice." You know, lucky you. But then on the other hand, yeah. you know, dentists dentists think that you've only you're only at work if you've got patients sitting in front of you. This is one of the things that our profession does, which is really weird. So so I, I've actually after many years finally sort of got it out of my staff that as I walk out the door it's not have a nice day off tomorrow I'm actually you mm. know that, that's sort of their thinking it's, it's, it's funny you say that Jason the amount yeah. of dentists when if I speak to my family and say what have you been doing today they say oh, I've not been working and I always say to them you mean yeah. you've not been seeing patients I know I always I know. pick them up on it because it's exactly yeah. that that they, they, they say working means I'm in the surgery with a handpiece yeah. but there's a load of things that you have to do to run a business or run a team or CPD yeah. whatever it might be that, that doesn't require you to be in the surgery I think it's yeah I think there's a there's a, there's a yeah. flaw in, in dentists that they, and, they always mm. say that that's work and in reference to your earlier point about you know and I was saying about friends that did that for some reason they didn't see that after dinner they sat down for two hours doing the practice mm. books rather <laughs> yeah, than delegating that as not as not <laughs> yeah, working yeah, yeah, yeah. you know if you'd asked them yeah, to mad. see some an evening session of patients which they they would they would probably earn quite handsomely they, they would look at you and say are you kidding you know i'm not i'm not gonna do that but but sitting at, at home you know whilst your family goes to bed trying to do stuff seem just just doesn't seem like work so so yeah no it mm. was it was definitely sort of uh a, a diverse day um and and the approach that that uh I, I took with it was at the time you know it was a it was a two and a half day kind of uh job so so i could sort of split my week accordingly mm. i was already mm. working two days for the nhs in the midlands um as a local dental network chair so it wasn't a, a sort of huge change in terms of time commitment there was a an extra half yep. day I, I had to find so so that's that's kind of you know uh june your other question about yeah what what was I, I would say um, yeah I think I think coming into a team and I, I hope they don't mind me saying this and I have said it you know it, it was a team that that was pretty um, sort of traumatized by the events of the previous three mm. three three months I would say you know since since a lot which is understandable <laughs> it, wasn't, yeah, it, it is it? I mean it's, it was it, an un, yeah unprecedented time for them um, and mm. and I think quite often the profession doesn't doesn't understand who makes the decisions and what the processes are and how things get released and 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 all the rest of it but yeah i mean it is i mean from my own part during that uh the the, the sort of suspension of face to face actually i found myself whilst i might have gone to the practice or upstairs 
was probably working 10, 11 hours for the NHS, you know, as mm. a side thing. So, and it was, and I still, for, for a while, would always remember that very first. <laughs> you can't meet you. I, I say to this is nothing, nothing bad, but I, your faces come to my face. <laughs> you know, it comes to my brain every, every so often because every morning at nine o'clock we had a, we had a meeting where the whole team would do, and we were trying to set up ninety urgent dental care centres across the Midlands. We were mm. trying to set up workforce redeployment. We were trying to set up PPE to practices and all those kind of things. So at, at the smaller scale, more regional scale, I know what they they've kind of been through. Um, there was slightly mm. short staffed already. Uh, so my role had yeah. been vacant for about sort of uh, a year to 18 months, I think it was. So, so they oh, probably wow. hit that. And, 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 you know, the, it's always, you don't know this thing's coming around the corner <laughs> because it, no. if you did, you know, you would have, it, it would have been something you took, took into place. And yeah, I suppose there was an expectation that I would bring in with the experience, you know, things that would relate to practice more, which I still think I, mm. I do. I do bring that mm. sort of aspect. Because, um, you know, one of the questions people ask, well, you know, is it moving from deputy sort of part-time to four days a week effectively as interim senior, you know, is it a conflict of interest? And, and, and I ask that question, you know, it's not seen to be by the system. Uh, and it's seen, you know, it's not seen to be a huge advantage, neither does it seem to be a, a problem either. But the one mm. edge that it does give me is I, you know, for example, you know, I think when quite often if you if you go into a room of policymakers, the, the, there's virtually no other working clinician within that room. No, even right, the ones, yeah. even the ones that represent the profession. Yes, <laughs> you know, if mm. you can. So, so I think it uh, is. Uh, so yeah. it gives them it gives them that that kind of. That, that that ability to say you know, to be able to say well actually this is what the workforce is finding the other thing is mm. you can write whatever policy but quite often it's a binary decision by the practice owner how they decide to act so for example mm. if you want to increase access you need to come up with policies that satisfy a practice owner that says yes i will open my books to accept more so you can have the most beautiful written policy of need mm. and and mm. demand and everything centrally, but if it doesn't hit in 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 the right place, you you've got the issues that we can see right now. You know the mm. the, the sort of the 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 access and and where the profession's mm. at. So so definitely, I think that was the case. I also was invited to to take part in the webinar by the GDC. There was lots of people on it, and one of the comments that people thought that I made which was I, I didn't have a problem I didn't have a worry about resilience of dental practices and the dental businesses but I did have a worry about the resilience of the dental workforce about exactly mm -hmm. where that was headed and the reason I made that comment was was well it was genuinely what I thought the very first piece of work in fact before I was actually in post after I'd been appointed I was asked to do was to run the report you you may not have seen it it's about the resilience of dental practices um after the the wave one the covid and and that was in response to again you know people were saying that dentists were going to go out of business uh that there was 70 percent mm. financial trouble all that kind of thing so i i mm. was asked to do a report for the minister and uh and and for the office at the time and we looked into it and actually with the support you know, as it turned out actually some some businesses actually had a had a pretty good year financially 
uh, as a mm. result of it. Whereas the, the the jungle drums was that somehow we were going to go under, which which is by the way unhelpful. Mm. If you start a rumor that um, little press are going to go under, it's not going to help them try and get a loan from a bank, is it? I mean, you know, no, I think I think that that was the issue that we had at the time. So so it was that aspect, you know, that that I could come not just with opinions but actually you know, real life experience as to say look you know this this isn't mm -hmm. the situation and and hopefully sort of carried that through even now although mm -hmm. as you makes it real world doesn't yeah. i think which is so important yeah. you're, you're dead right there's so many people who make policies who have no idea what actually mm. goes on uh, your comment about the fact of there's no point producing a policy that nobody can implement because either they can't implement or mm. don't want to implement exactly. it is it's a waste of time yeah. yeah whereas you've got that beautiful foot in both camps where you can say look if you presented this to me i can tell you i wouldn't do it yeah <laughs> I, mean, it's, it, it, I was gonna say it's interesting you say that there there kind of isn't a conflict but there wasn't seen to be a benefit i, I think you living and being part mm. of a partnership in a practice i see that as a massive benefit because like you yeah. say the amount of times that people dream up what they think is going to be a great idea mm. And you turn around and say, it's cobblers. That is not going to work. People will not do this. That's not going to happen. And you might as well nip it in the bud. Then it goes through a long process of, of, of policy and sign-off and then get disseminated down to dentistry. And then you realise it's not going to work. So yeah. I, I think there's huge value you of, of having ask, that skill. You? You know, the, yeah. it, it, then anything else you did, which is, uh, yeah, but do you remember that thing they did? First of all, that was rubbish. Mm. <laughs> so you're sort of tainted, aren't you, if you're not careful? Yeah. No, it's great. I think, I think it's brilliant yeah. to, to have you still wet fingered because I think mm. that makes a, a difference because you can say well actually guys that's not going to mm. work I, I tell you what would be useful Jason is yeah. we get lots of people <laughs> who listen to this that, that um, they're not clinicians uh, they work in dentistry they're not clinicians and mm. it might also be useful for some clinicians as well but I think there's a common misunderstanding that the CDO is responsible for the NHS contract could you just explain the role of the CDO yeah. and, and where this sits in relation to the NHS just to kind of put a baseline of, of where we're at. I think mm, yeah, a lot idea. of people don't necessarily understand exactly where that role sits. Yeah, and, and I can understand why that is, uh, but you're quite right, people don't. So, I mean, as a as a, as a post, it, 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 it is seen by the system as the, the sort of the, the, the appointment as the head of the profession, providing clinical leadership, but actually in terms of the act, the... The, the the responsibility for producing it sits very much within clinical policy so as to what what should go on what is what is what is good for patients and what is the the right sort of policy to have clinically now of course you don't then go in that it's not completely isolated from contracts etc but you're quite right the popular misconception is that the the cdo is responsible for contract reform is obviously not right. It, it's a little bit more correct in the devolved nations, funnily enough, but not the way in which we're structured here. So the equivalent for medicine is actually the CMO, who's Chris Whitty. Now, I'm not sure anyone has ever tried to attack Chris Whitty for GP contracts, right? I don't think no. that, that. And you don't necessarily make that relationship there, but actually that is the situation that we have. Now, We've, as an office, we've got mm. a responsibility, and one of the things I'm trying to change, which we're we're going through it internally at the moment, to, is is that we need to have a narrative that actually explains that as well. In that, you know, it's mm. not that we don't, it's not that we don't uh, have a view or don't try and do um, 
things to 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 improve the situation as as regards contract is the fact that it isn't mine to deliver it isn't ours to deliver mm. but mm. i will tell you you know the views on how certain things are and lots of opinions about how bad things are and what isn't working but not so much about what the alternative could be and and even now mm. after you know 17 years or whatever it is of talking about it you know it's still you still sit a group of people together and you won't get one unison sort of voice from from everyone no. so, but so you're right a, it's so, a very easy game to play isn't it picking picking holes in things is a very yeah. easy game to play yeah yeah, yeah. I, everyone yeah, can be uh, giving creative solutions yeah yeah exactly everyone can be can be a critic and i think you know we need to be aware of also you know has we talked about the priority of oral health in in general health and where it is and how it's risen but but you mm. know we need to be aware of that so the role is very much you know we 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 give clinical advice uh, both system reform we do but also uh you know sort of the professional leadership the regulation piece uh sort of uh in terms of how the workforce is the workforce well-being i think is is very much part of what we do but again you know the nhs has a workforce training and education directorate that we mm. work closely with so so it's 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 all those things together it's it, it sort of as the jargon is that we have sort of system leadership uh which which basically means you're not in a position to 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 be able to um uh, take responsibility for that but it is something that you want to try and influence for for the betterment and in terms of advocacy um you know the advocacy for the patient does come ahead of advocacy for a profession so it's quite right mm -hmm. that i will stand up for the profession and everything else but in terms of the policy work in terms of what we do has to be mm. you know the patient sort of comes first in 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 that aspect but you know my week I'd is imagine you know, yeah go on sorry i was going to say jason i imagine yeah. you have to be quite thick-skinned because the the you know the the comments that we heard from people about sarah you know as you say you're you end up becoming the 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 target <laughs> for people's yeah. frustration and ire don't you? you it must be quite hard to to in effect over the years you've probably managed to develop this brilliant compartmentalization that sort of says it's not about me <laughs> it's not about me but it must be you, you, it must be quite painful at times i thought of people just what they say yeah and I, I think i think you're right and it's not it's not great and there's no no point pretending that that is and as you say you know when when the uh, uh, abuse suddenly gets sort of personal and then and then people sort of make stuff up and then you just think well you know we really shouldn't be there mm -hmm. so so very much yeah that i i you know that I'm sure that's coming down the track <laughs> when you change position. I'm sure. I'm sure that is, and and it's part of the reason. You're waiting. Why, it's part of the yeah, yeah, and and actually, I mean, to to be fair, it's part of the reason why why my wife is is you know who who's who's been supportive throughout was never really a hundred percent about me taking on mm. this role or uh, even the the previous role just just because of you know the fact that obviously I've got you know I've got other things that I could you, be doing. You're but, in the firing line. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but but then you know if 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 as for me it's all about whether I can make changes um, yeah. to to improve things. I, I think if if I didn't, this mm. this isn't. You know, I'm not in it to to sit here in the position and say, oh, you know, this this, this is this is great to be there. Mm. It, it, the, the day that I walk away, 
is the day that when I just think I, there's no more I can mm. do, there's no 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 more I can mm. change. I think that's probably the mm. issue. So I think the people who've got mm. to, uh, in terms of you were saying about people not you know not necessarily clinicians who are in the business. Yeah, it it you know we do have a role for advocating. We 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 deal with the the industry, and in fact, we're the only organisation that has sort of that that sort of helicopter view of everything. Um, you know, in mm. terms of both dealing with uh, that, you know, the, there's other aspects in Dental Schools Council, on the other hand. The NHS has this mega structure that we are a part of. So we're part of the medical directorate uh, of NHS England, so reporting to uh, to Steve Paris. Um, but also the role has a, uh, a part to play with the department, even though we're hosted by NHS England. We actually have a role to play with the Department of Health and, and, and Social Care. So, you know, where Minister, mm. um, you know, come up with a policy, we'll input into that um, and the discussions that uh, that we have. So you know, over the last, even since being in post for, I think it's about six weeks now, um, you know, we're working on certain aspects regarding amalgam, about legislation for... Um, in terms of clinical negligence, legislation for uh, professional re re registration and things like that. So all those things are going on, which is not what people think that the CDO is actually doing. Um, you know, we, mm -hmm. you know, we, during the pandemic, there's lots about going back to, you know, the in infection prevention control, how things were operating in, in dental practices um, and how the, what, what the uh, NHS wants for, for primary care was actually, you know, sort of uh, being applied a, a, a across across the piece. So, so we're one part mm. of that great big uh, system, and and it is, yeah, it, it is sometimes I think misunderstood as to you know we have a section mm. that deals with system or contract reform. Um, you know, we we have someone within the team that's that's leaning in to help that, but actually it it isn't massively sort of core business uh in terms of mm. what what we have to do because it's you know so so much sort of in terms of wide ranging you know we we get pulled into things like you know water fluoridation uh soon there'll be mm. would you you know the, the the you know things things suddenly sort of occur out of blue at the moment there's a, a rise in in syphilis cases uh, in the population as a whole, which have oral manifestations in the mouth, so that's something that 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 we're leaning into as to whether we need to recommunicate and things like that. <laughs> so, so this is just you know in, in the last few weeks, so and you know wanting people wanting our our advice on uh, policies they're going to go through, and giving advice back on that. That is actually what I spend most mm. of my time sort of dealing with, um, even though as I said it, it's you know understanding that contract reform is is a big part for the profession um and mm -hmm. uh but but you know but also there's more to it and we've been doing quite a bit of work as well on um on sort of culture and a safety culture and just culture and and, and a blame culture and I, again it's an area i think we've got wrong wow. and it's interesting isn't it because people go on about the nhs etc but actually that applies to nhs and private and there's a big part mm, yeah. of yeah, yeah. dentistry that is private currently, um, <coughs> and I know mm. that the you know private dentists are saying, well, the CDO don't represent them. Well, actually, officially, the CDO does, um, you know, because of its position, DHSC have a role to play in both. 
Whereas we reach hmm. a point where yeah. the people we normally work with in the NHS, where their their remit stops, and they they genuinely stop. They, they don't they don't they don't even stray into that because that's not us. And then we have to then take that on with people that are dealing with sort of private dentistry. And you know, in terms wow. of just culture and all that kind of thing, um, you know, that applies equally, possibly more actually in private dentistry. Um, you know, in in terms and and professional regulation as well, you know the the ones mm. that the the CQC takes. It's a massive umbrella, action. isn't it? Really? It is, as opposed to you know everyone sort of thinks it's about the contract. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's not. You know that that's that seems, and I don't know. This is probably not the right thing to say, but it's a a small part of the actual whole role. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I'm just thinking as, you, as you're talking, Jason. I'm seeing yeah. you as being the champion of patient care. You're the voice for the profession. You're yeah. an advisor to government, but not a civil servant. Uh, you were yeah. saying that the the, the, the CDO um, sits with Professor Sir Steve Powis. So yeah. does the agenda come down onto you from central government or does it come from the profession up through you? Or is it a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both. Um, you know, and in terms of uh, sort of professional accountability, obviously to the medical director, um, uh, Steve Powers, as you say, but actually he tends to be, you know, uh, sort of not not setting the agenda for dentistry. That tends to come from either the NHS chief chief executive and indeed the uh, the government and ministers that tends to come along. In terms of what we take on, uh, it some quite a lot of it is from the ground, uh, ground up as well. So, you know, the the, the pieces of work that I took in the patient safety bits, the denture loss, which is going to be released this week, uh, were things that I brought into the office. We've been kind of pushed into. So at the moment, we're con contemplating uh, a policy document on uh, dental tourism in terms of what people have done. It might not just be oh, dental okay. tourism in the end, but there's pressures coming from all parts of the system. Uh, and again, you know, some some the central policy inside NHS England may decide that it's not something they want to get involved in, but but I think that almost certainly it will end up on our work plan where we're going to start to give advice as to where the uh, responsibility lies because you see a lot of, a lot of that uh, problems coming up more and more within within general practice right mm. now there's two aspects uh, there's wow. one which is to say what responsibilities does the nhs have so in other words you know if someone comes back with a mouthful of implants um yeah. and, and it runs into trouble you know does the nhs have a role in restoring that or does the NHS have a role in restoring mm. health probably is restoring health mm. um but then on the other hand you, it probably won't be limited to that because you know private practice coming into the NHS will, will have a part to play. But the second thing is, mm. is actually, in terms of the culture, this is what I mean, it, they could come back to a private practice in this country. And of course, you'll see this if you monitor social media, someone goes, oh, this has come back from such a place. And everyone says, you touch it, you own it. <laughs> I mean, have you seen that, right? Yeah. You touch it, yeah, you own yeah. it. I mean, what? Yeah, the, uh, yes, yeah. I understand there's risks and we need to somehow mitigate that risk. But don't forget there's a patient at the end of the door that you may blame yeah. them for having gone abroad. But where does the healthcare profession takes its very first line, you touch it, you own it. In other words, run from this. Because if everyone ran from it, what does the you know, what does the patient do? Mm. And that that is a 
major issue, I think, for our profession in terms of we've become so defensive in what we do that we we actually end up, you know, I've got associates who I try and talk through, but they are updating notes throughout their lunch hours and after work. Mm. Um, mm. We, you know, even during you were saying earlier about COVID, you know, we we were the only profession that seemed to be writing in our notes. Oh, you know, we uh, this is COVID threat level, whatever the CDO letter, whatever PPE. You know, the rest of healthcare just got mm. on with it, but we thought somehow writing this essay was going to protect us, which it doesn't, by the way. <laughs> just, so, so you've got this mega issue where. Um, where it's interesting, we, isn't it? We, we, mm. and, and, where, of, and where does this culture, where does this yeah. culture of defensive dentistry come yeah, yeah, from? Yeah. Is it is it being taught in dental schools? Is it GDC? Is it, is it GDC? Uh, is it insurers? How, how we found ourselves in a situation where yeah. people are fearful? Yeah, yeah. Touch it, uh, you own it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I think, won't touch it. <laughs> I think I think part of it. I mean, you know, obviously, it, it's been looked into quite a bit, and there was a time, um, you know, when uh, people were. were, were very sort of scared of the regulator. They probably are still scared of the regulators as it is. So there is setting a tone. GDC has obviously tried to make steps to 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 try and what they call sort of sort of upstream things to try and treat it. It it came from two main causes that that we uh, could identify. One was um, well-meaning and I'm sure highly skilled general dental practitioners going into dental schools for the final years and supervising the students and telling them about you know the fact that they'll probably get sued several times and we'll probably end up in front of gdc and and that's highly likely the <laughs> figures don't bear that out but that's what they've been told the second is then in fd uh, again that that message is then reinforced and also the indemnity company and i've been having conversations with them have a bit of a responsibility here because they are often brought in to give the lecture on dental negligence and and things like that mm. and and especially during the uh the online versions you you try and hook people into your two and a half three hour lecture by giving the the kind of the story that's going to grab their attention and of course that, the mega that, story you, yeah, the mega yeah. story and of course yeah. you know, and I've the, been the trying clickbait to, headline yeah yeah so I've been trying to tell, <laughs> talk to them as well and a few of them have already promised not not to do that so that that culture sort of sets yeah. up and once it sets up it, it's really quite difficult to remove i've been trying to remove it in several ways since i've been in post one is we we got the indemnity companies to all sign up to that uh, statement i don't know whether you saw where basically it says um if yeah. you've got if you've got the problem you know call us if we don't open the case we're not going to charge you sort of frequent fly miles hmm. for, for it in other words you know we should be your first port of call you could call 20 times to inquire two times because again social media is telling people if you call make that call your fees are going to go up next next year so people yeah. are left yeah, asking yeah, the yeah. question and honestly it, it takes all my willpower not to get involved lawyer, mm. yeah exactly you know because sometimes yeah. people again some well-meaning some not give advice over those kind of forums and you just look at it and you think oh, my god you can't but if i spend every moment of my time trying to correct that I'll, i won't do any work i've just been doing that the whole the whole time yeah. so that's that's one aspect and the second thing is to try and communicate out that you know actually the the chances of being up in front of gdc is actually quite low chances of the ultimate section mm. are actually really low the high risk things that you do is not this the single case this idea of a single case um you know going all the way through is is actually a myth there are very very few single cases that go all the mm. way through and some of the work that i've been able to do mm. as policy is you know 
not long after I came in, we agreed that um, removing the wrong tooth extraction from the never event list, which I think is a good thing. One of the worries that mm. the, 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 the press team had, which was, you know, oh, we don't want to communicate that dentists don't care about it. So, no, no, we definitely don't. We want to make sure that it's a serious event, but people need to know what to do. Now, the interesting thing is, if you actually take out the wrong tooth, it is a serious event, but it's not career-ending, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Most people actually think it probably is, but it's not career-ending. There is no one who have taken out the wrong tooth that has then followed up the procedure correctly that have ended up in the end station of GDC. But the GDC is aware mm. of a few cases where that happened, but it's actually the subsequent action to cover up what someone has done that's ended up uh, with them at the okay. late stage. Yeah, 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 it's the now, problem. if they weren't so it wasn't the, in, in the first It wasn't place, the initial action, no, it was a follow-up. Yeah, the yeah, follow-up yeah. about, you know, trying to cover it up or whatever. But if the individual wasn't in the first stage actually fearful of the consequences, yeah, definitely. they wouldn't actually have done mm. the cover-up. So, so trying to change that culture is actually to say, we need a better recording system, yeah. reporting system. So you have all these sort of conversations so that the profession mm. can see. It will take see, a bit of time, but I think we've made good first mm, yeah. steps. Uh, Jason, I never thought of that as the CDO's part of the CDO. Did you? No. You know, no. I, you're mentioning it. I'm thinking, flip. It's, it's a really a, powerful it's part. It's a wide and varied yeah. sort of job, isn't yeah. it? Have, are, are you familiar with um, Black Box Thinking by Matthew yeah. Syed, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. You've, yeah. So the, the 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 concept is that you know when the black box comes out of the aeroplane, they share that data across yeah. the whole of the aero industry, so everybody learns in real time what happened, so it doesn't happen again. It would be lovely if there was a, a culture within dentistry that allowed people to be more open about their failures and their mm. failings without fear of reprisals from insurance companies or the GDC yeah. or whatever. Because ultimately, I, I genuinely believe that, that people are out there trying to give good patient care, but sometimes things go wrong. But if we have a culture where people feel they have to hide it yeah. because how of how they're going to be treated, it doesn't mm. move us all forward. And, and I love that concept of the air industry where everybody gets to share that information. Yeah. In, in real time and everybody just moves forward together but uh, it doesn't sound like we're, we're, we're there yet no we're not there yet but we're making first steps so the, the NHS has brought out a mm. recording system it's, it's still probably a bit clunky for dentistry because it doesn't get very far before they ask you about bed sores and whether yeah. the patient died but we need to I mean part of the role is to try and develop that and and really change how how we approach things I mean black box thinking is part of it um, you know the patient yeah. safety stuff uh, the other books and in fact the NHS has itself a curriculum on this so as you've just seen mm. in the mm. recent case of the Lucy Lepme case you know when you can have cultures build up and at the moment in dentistry that, that culture is a really defensive one and the reason why it's mm. within the remit, and I'll I'll make this point, is people talk about system reform. Actually, we, we need to look about not just contract reform, actually why some people perhaps don't do as much clinical work as they otherwise would do, why some people finish a bit earlier than they did, and why mm -hmm. some people feel that the system doesn't support them in that. And part of that is the mm. fear culture. A big part of that is if you are coming into work and thinking that, somehow something is going to get you at some point. It isn't going to help you perform <laughs> at your best. And and no, the no. agreement, and the GDC agrees with this entirely, which is if you, you know, anyone that turns up to work to try and do good and try and treat patients, GDC should be nowhere on their radar at all. 
it just should mm. not feature. You just go on with work. Mm. Yes, it's still a stressful profession. There'll be things that you need to address, but that is what we're going to mm. change. I don't know. You know, it, it's a combination of a whole load of factors that have led us to probably from 2010 mm. to get to where we are. But, part but that of, dripping tap mm, effect yeah. means that it, we're going to lose people earlier from the profession with that dripping tap effect of that feeling. Mm. We, that, we might get another, you know, five, seven years of people continuing to enjoy their clinical yeah. dentistry mm. and delivering patient care. But if they've, they feel that there's this kind of building pressure and yeah. I've got to get out before the problem happens type it's attitude. It's like a static tight, isn't yeah. it? Really? It's just grows and grows and eventually drops off. Yeah. But if you're I always think, thinking that's how it's going to be, you're... Yeah, yeah. And I think regulatory-wise, mm. I think the situation has actually changed. There are still going to be cases and mm. there's still going to be things... For, I think the things, you know, if you go back 10 years, how things are treated now to 2013, I think things have changed. Mm. I think... But some of the legislation um, that underpins, you know, the clinical negligence systems and and, and things that we do... Are older than the NHS itself, um, you know, and mm. and yeah. and I think that you know some somehow it's quite adversarial. You know, people sometimes talk about the New Zealand system yeah, where definitely. where something goes wrong and then suddenly you, you you literally would have a form that you get the patient. You say, actually, this has gone wrong. I perforated. This is how much compensation you are allowed mm. to have as a result of this. Hand that over, sign, and it, it's done. And you know, something like that should be here, but it, at the moment Stop we're, we're not quite there. It would stop those uh, that those law firms that shall remain nameless, who basically pursue dentists. You know the stories you hear. Uh, you know oh, we're not we're not coming after you. We're just doing uh, we're just doing some research for. Oh, actually now we've seen your notes. We are coming after you. It's just that it doesn't build a, no, a great yeah. culture. And does like it, you say, it, it's it's nice to hear that whole culture piece is forming part of of your role as, yeah. as CDO. Yeah, we've, amazing, we've, we've mentioned contract reform a couple of times. And I, I, yes. I don't really want to yeah, yeah. dwell on that, but no, no. just last last week, um, Eddie Crouch, chair of the BDA, was on Radio 4, and he was talking about, you know, the, the situation as it is at the moment and saying how, you know, yes, moving away from UDAs would be a good thing, um, a general better pay rate for dentists. There was a £400 million underspend on dentistry and, you know, dentists are leaving the NHS. They're, they're not striking. And he was saying, you know, there was talk of a dental recovery plan. You know, where is it? Mm. Without getting bogged down in the detail of NHS yeah. contract reform, just from where you sit in the office, do you think small change is harder than big change? We've seen some small things and some tinkering with the contract, but do you think big change is something that's easier just to deal with as opposed to just these constant small bits? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I, I, I do. I think I think that, well, uh, any change <laughs> seems, seems enormously difficult, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, but, but yeah, and, and seems to take an absolute age. So, so yeah, I acknowledge that. But no, I don't think so. And so, that, that so, 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 so against that backdrop, though, if, if, if we accept that change is hard, mm. does it make more sense, given it's hard, small or big, does yeah. it make more sense to go for big change than have the same pain and make small changes? Well, I, I think I think that the the problem with that is that is what they've been trying since since 2010. So, you know, you <laughs> mm -hmm. you you had the the select committee That's report. True. Pilots, and, proto pilots. Yeah, da, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. 2008. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Steele then did the uh, excellent report in 2009. The the government mm, then Steele. then did did announce. The government then did announce. Um, you know, during the next 
next parliament we will have contract reform, dental contract reform. That was the part of the manifesto commitment in 2010. And mm. they did try and do that. I think the issue then was, as you say, pilots turned into prototypes, prototypes turned into whatever, you know, phase one, two, three. And then eventually, you know, <laughs> you reached a point where they said, oh, it isn't going to, to, to work. There are some fundamental questions I think you've got to ask. And one of them is, you know, exactly what that NHS offer should be. You know, what what is it that you're looking for it to, to deliver? And I think that's a perfectly reasonable question for the profession and for, for patients to be asking. And then the other thing is quite often we conflate, is it is it is it a funding issue or is it a, a delivery issue? Mm. Um, there probably mm. is an element uh, of both. The thing that holds me mm. back from agreeing with your statement about one big change is, as I said, they, they tried it, but some of the marginal changes that they brought in last year that the, the the first phase of the changes that they they, they brought in um, mm. was actually some some of the profession was actually trying to raise this in 2014, and that was the issue, mm. and that yeah. was roundly rejected, not necessarily by by government or the NHS, but roundly rejected by the profession and the representative of the profession, saying, "No, we're not going to do that because you can't, uh, you, you don't want any small changes." And if you could imagine that wow. even the changes that are, however small they were, probably has made a, a difference of, I don't know, 5%, 10%, whatever, to, to people. Um, if that could have been brought in since 2014, it would have made a difference to associates' life in particular, I would say. So so the, mm -hmm. the thing, the, the hesitancy is agreeing on, you know, yes, everyone agrees that there's a problem, but not everyone's agreed as to what the solution to that problem is. And it's really difficult mm. to say, we're going to have a big bang. Well, what are you going to big bang it to? There's a responsibility to make sure mm. that, that that works. You know, who knows that the next big bang evolution, I mean, it yeah. could be worse, couldn't it? I mean, because if you don't know what yeah. it is, it could be worse, it could be better. So, I, and as I said, there's no no collective responsibility. So I think that we probably have to accept that there is a there is a bigger discussion to be had as to where the NHS sits, you know, how Yeah, you know, I was gonna say I think it, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, that's the biggest issue. You, know, you can decide what that's gonna be. How do you design the system to mm. deliver it? But in the meantime, so many stakeholders, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah, and in the meantime, don't dismiss everything, you know, from from yeah. uh, that in terms of changes. I think it's still worth pursuing that kind of that that kind of change. Yeah. But George, yes, I mean, and it would be nice be, if it, yeah, I was definitely. just thinking it would be nice if we could get to a structure where dentists wanted to work in the NHS. You know, it was back in yes. June, wasn't it? Rishi Sunak said that there was going to be like a lock in for dentists. I don't like an idea where you get tied into a crap system. I'd much prefer a better system where people want to work in that system as opposed to you're, you're, you're tied into something because kind of it's, yeah. it's, 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 it could be better or it's broken. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the commitment was to consult on it, so there wasn't a yes, definite yeah, yeah. situation. And the question is really what you know, I uh, you know what the the what what that sort of looks like, and how you're going to implement it. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say a great deal more, just in case I end up criticising what what will be policy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what I can <laughs> what I what I can say is that even back in the day when I qualified. 
you saw that NHS treatment was predominantly provided by the 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 recently qualified and then those near retirement and there's a move away sort of in the middle of it um it was interesting mm -hmm. at the GDC leadership day our clinical fellow was asked that question he was sitting on the panel and he said well you know if they brought in that you had to have a minimum commitment of x to the NHS in year one year two year three to be honest that might already mm. be happening as as it stands anyway but yeah I mean uh, you're you're absolutely right the principle mm. of you know you will only solve this issue if you make uh if you make a, a system that uh, more people want to work in it, it's not you know it's not missed by policymakers they are aware that's the case um it's how how you make that and what your red lines are you know if your red lines are this is the budget mm. you know this is what you do and this is the other misconception because i'm getting into giving you my opinion which I, i'm happy to give but actually it's not strictly speaking my responsibility to deliver that 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 is between government and mm. the british dental association mm. so you know it is up to them to articulate and uh, and and uh, and eventually negotiate over what should happen um you know because mm. at, at the end of the day you know that that i think i think both must happen is my view i think that you you need mm. to have a system looking at how you can make improvements that should happen quicker uh and then how the big system stuff how 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 can you make that massive change um mm. and mm. it's it's quite interesting because the nhs is now responsible for the uh contract reform uh piece but i'm fully aware that the profession will blame the the cdo for any shortcomings in that contract reform <laughs> and parliamentarians and public will blame government for that reform piece but actually you know i think we yeah. we all have to get together and try and push that and that's what i do i mean i said it in my first bulletin so it's not a hidden thing that you know the pace needs to yeah needs to increase the uh you know but and that we would all like to see reform but as i said that the, the problem is we don't mm. have a concerted view what that looks like mm. Mm. you've Not had true. um a whirlwind of a first six weeks as as interim cdo cdo yeah. um as far as the permanent role you, you you've been asked before about you know would, would, would you do it wouldn't you do it but Let's assume that that you did, because effectively you're, you're you're holding that position at the moment. What would the what would the cost be to you if you did take that role in terms of um, your your ability to continue to deliver clinical dentistry, the leadership role in your practice, the impact on your family? You know, you said your wife's concerns yeah. about uh, which is probably a, a care for you as an individual of of being in a position where you're going to get slapped left, right, and centre by everybody for everything. Uh, you know, if, if 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 you went into that into that role, what would what would what would be the cost for you for that? It's true. It's true. At least you should be able to get no, a dinner, think, though, because nobody uh, would know the CDO is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that interesting. Yeah, interesting. A really, really good question. Um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, my wife has to be on board. And, and I think divorce is off the table now if I did do it. So so at least oh, I've got good. the OK that's to good. go, because at, at one stage it didn't look <laughs> didn't look like that might be the case. So you're right. I mean, the, the cost, the cost is, I, I suppose, I mean, even cutting down the amount of um, clinical time uh, in in these sort of last six weeks, you know, has has sort of caused some impact, um, and and sort of sort of uh, I, I suppose the other aspect of for for me personally, it's it's the fact of you know whether I, I spend time at the practice or whether I spend time 
in this role. So yeah, it, it will take some sacrifices, I would think, uh, to do it. But it is a mm. huge honor uh, to do the role. There's there's no 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 question uh, about that in my mind. So so very much and and yeah, being being the centre attention which which you know that, that's the main reason as you say that my wife says that what what's what's the point you'll you end up having to sit in a position where you know the profession will, will still want to uh you know parts of the profession i have to say you know a lot of goodwill from a lot of people in the last sort of couple of months but you know part of the profession will still want to throw it so it, it, that's a decision you know to be made so i'll go back to what i said earlier mm. which is my one driver is by doing the role, can I try and make changes that I believe that the profession needs, mm. and that would benefit patients? Yeah. And that that at the end of the day will be will be the the overwhelming factor mm. as to whether I can continue. You know, I had a conversation, as I said about you know, is it all right? You know, I didn't even know initially whether the NHS would be happy with with the four days, and I was going to keep a part in practice, and that was when mm. I was told that it's, it's neither it's not a hindrance and you know everything's declared that that's mm. absolutely fine neither you were saying that it might be an advantage and you know neither is it necessarily an advantage one of the questions mm. is if you take on the role longer term because the work the the work sort of stream is is massive is whether actually you know is it sustainable to try and keep that yeah. because if you'd asked mm. me as a 27 year old who's taking on the partnership whether once I've reached over 50, whether I would be working Saturday mornings, I'm pretty sure I'd have said no. <laughs> I probably thought I'd be retired by now. Um, <laughs> time, you know, and, and did I think that working 65, 70 hours a week would be the norm once I get to this age? And I probably would have laughed you out of the room. But uh, as it happens, but you've, got, you've got a lot of energy, reality. Jason, haven't you? You've got, <laughs> but you've got a lot of energy. And I think something that's also matched with your energy is is you are incredibly optimistic you know your your ridiculously positive ridiculously positive <laughs> but but your 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 optimism I, th I think for the position you've got in dentistry i think that is critical because you know when when, when you got appointed the Thank overwhelming you. view from what i saw was people were really supportive of you moving into that position and i think yeah, people do comments, want yeah. yeah people do want that that optimism and somebody who's going to push for it to get better and i think yeah. you genuinely believe that and realism. I think yeah. that's what they want. They want a bit of realism that says, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just finally, uh, yeah. we always ask to get, uh, our guests two questions at the end. But before we get to that, what, what makes you happy? Um, I don't know. I'm spending time with my family, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm also one for uh, sort of ticking things off a list <laughs> deleting things off a list so, so i have a to-do list and I, I get my real achievements when i can that is done <laughs> and, zero. And on to the next thing you know that that is done and be it be it in in practice when i have to write patient letters and and if my list is clear i go home happy uh if if are if you it, are you old school is that is that a paper with a written list and you put a line no it's digital i'm afraid no, or is, it, is, it, is it is it is it is it tasks on outlook or something uh no not not tasks on outlook uh the the practice ones on, on the word document this uh the the cdo is on a, a notepad that is that is in the cloud so 
I have it on my right. iPad, yeah. phone, and laptop. Everywhere. I think it's. I think it's still because I agree. I love ticking things off a list, but I don't. Uh, somehow, when it's on a bit of paper oh, and you so can literally write a line, put yeah, a line so through it, that more. does seem more satisfying. It is. I'm old school. Yeah, okay. you, you, most you, people you think I'm weird when task. I say that, so I'm really pleased you say that because when I say that, <laughs> yeah. like, what no, no, I'm the same. About? No, no, good, good, good. No, no, yeah, I get it. I get it. Similar spirits, I think, is the answer. <laughs> so our last two questions, Jason. The the, right. the, the the first question we have for you is: If you could be a fly on the wall in a situation, and you could be there with somebody watching a scenario play out, where would you like to be given the opportunity? Wow, that's tricky. Um, I actually, I, so one of my mentors clinically was Mike Wise. I don't know whether you came across Mike Wise. He's oh, yes. around many years ago, yeah. and Mike, uh, yeah, probably, yeah. Mike taught me probably at the tail end of his career i have never met a clinician of his caliber and standard and i have to say that um probably would be watching him work at his prime when he was doing those kind of cases i i just think he, mm. I, and I, i've met lots of people and you know uh, and 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 there are good people with a skill set but he always struck me as being someone that is sort of um uh, light years ahead i mean he you know he, he never seemed he just seemed to have the right systems in place and everything so if i could observe him doing that when he was running his practice and doing that 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 would be quite a good thing for me to see wow. brilliant brilliant and the follow-up is if you could meet somebody you could sit down and have a cup of coffee glass of wine living or dead yeah who would you who would you go for that's so difficult. I really haven't. I, I should have given this some thought perhaps before, but I, I failed to read the note that you were going to ask me this. So, um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I suppose, I mean, I would go with someone like Barack Obama, I think. Someone who broke mm -hmm. a, a glass ceiling and that. I would have a, have a sit down with someone like that and <coughs> just sort of, you know, shoot the breeze over certain aspects and attitudes of the world I think would be would be it I think um, but as you can imagine I haven't given this much thought so so I you probably give me another year I'll come back to you with a different answer but right now just off, off the top of my head I think that that it's would be the answer yeah it would be and I think he would be a fascinating person to talk to. I, uh, yeah, I just think first, I think I his think, book's coming yeah. out in two parts I read the first part <laughs> incredible guy incredible yeah. guy yeah, yeah. So I'd be really interested to get inside his head and see why, what has driven him. Yeah. Brilliant. Jason, your your time has been very much appreciated. It's Definitely. been a wonderful Thank conversation. You. I think just that explanation of, of your, your new role and where that sits. But just hearing about your life and your journey and how all these different bits sort of fall into the, the melting pot of your life. He's, he's managed to make the CDO Thank role you. sound quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that's and a heck so of an many diverse elements to it. So yeah, there you go. Look at that. That's a, that's a heck of an achievement. Um, because, because wide that, and varied, I think, yeah. is the answer. <laughs> Thank you. No, thanks for the invite. Seriously, no. uh, it's been it's no, been not fun. at all, not at all. It's, yeah, no, like I so really appreciate your time and, and keep well, Jason. I'll see yeah, you soon. Thank you, Jason. Right. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.